0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3. We'll read verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other, and if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. As the Lord forgave you, so also forgive each other. And over all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The peace of Christ must control your hearts, a peace into which you were called into one body. And be thankful, people. The word of Christ must live in you richly. Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in speech or action... Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Amen. You know, I so appreciate the choir and the orchestra and all of our music department. I feel like when I watch them sing, like Paul says, to to sing every note, to speak every note, to play in and play for God the Father. And I see that in them. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts with us. Well, it's um it's January, as you know by looking outside. And um, I just wanted to um, share if I can find, oh yeah, here they are, the top three best worst January jokes. Now, hear me, best worst January jokes. Number three, why did Frosty the Snowman want a divorce? Because he, he thought his wife was a flake. <laughs> I said worst. Worst. I said best worst. Okay? Number 2, January best worst joke. You shouldn't kiss someone on January 1st. It's the first date. I love hearing the Ugh. And the best, number 1 best worst January joke is the first thing I'm going to say on January 1st, 2021 is hindsight is 2020. Now you know why I had to tell these three jokes. We're in this sermon series called Hindsight in 2020, right? And um, and so we're talking about looking back in order to look forward. Now, Mike Bush, you cannot steal any of those jokes and tell them. <laughs> He's always telling me a joke on Sunday morning. But reflection is always good in a new decade, isn't it? To look back and kind of reflect upon our life and and reflection can be a healthy tool in our spiritual toolbox. Yet, if we totally focus on looking back, we can never move forward. But it, it, it can be used as a tool to help us move forward. It's a balance, and that is what we're talking about in this series, the balance of looking back and moving forward. We pray with me? Good and gracious God, Help us to hear you and experience you today. I pray, oh God, that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth might be acceptable in your sight, my blessed rock and redeemer. Help me to step out of the way, God, so that your light can shine. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, how many of you here today remember the trial that was held just this past year? when a police officer, Amber Geiger, walked into an apartment that she thought was her own apartment and killed a man sitting in his recliner. That trial took place in Dallas. And uh, you might remember the trial, and I'm going to ask Pastor Sean to go ahead and shut our lights off and shut the house lights off too. But you might remember the trial, but you might not remember the brother of the victim's response. It's a very powerful moment. I ran across that video this last week and and thought it was so powerful that I had to show you because that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about forgiveness freeing us, not carrying that burden. Um, If I were to ask each person in this room if you've ever been hurt, I know I would hear an individual story from each and every one of you. A story of brokenness, a story of betrayal, a, 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 spoke, a misspoken word, a, a, a um, betrayal of trust. I mean, you, I would hear story after story because that's the brokenness of life. We all make mistakes, and some of our mistakes are more severe than others. It causes us to reflect now, if you're as old as I am, you remember back in the day when they had white-out. You remember that little tube, little, little thing of white-out? For those of us who are typers, and for those of us who cannot type, it was our best friend. You know, I, I was actually in a typing class in high school. Does anybody join me in that? Okay, a few, okay. And I, there's some reason my brain and my fingers don't want to go together. And um, I, I took piano lessons for years, and if you, if, if they ask me to play, you might get chopsticks from me. You know, it just, my fingers and my brain just don't click. And so white out on the typing class was my friend. And if you remember, you had to roll up your paper and then kind of put the liquid on and blow it dry a little bit, and, and then roll it back down. And there could, you could still see a little faint liquid as it's typed over, the mistakes typed over. And then the electric typewriter came out with the most wonderful invention. You remember what that was? The self-correcting tape, right? That was awesome. You know, all you had to do, you didn't have to roll it up or down, you could just go back and self, and it did this self-correcting thing. And then... The angels sang for all of us fumble fingers when the computer came out because there was a delete button. All you had to do was delete, 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 right? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had self-correcting or delete buttons in our DNA? Wouldn't that be wonderful that, you know, you would have um, a self-correcting button husband or wife or child or parent that when a misspoken word was said or something was done that hurt, you could delete, 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 right? You're just like your father. Delete, delete, delete. (laughs) I love your father, right? I mean, that kind of thing. Well, the human race doesn't have that self-correcting DNA, does it? In fact, humanity, we're self-destructing. Yet in his grace, God gave us one of the most amazing gifts, and that is the gift of forgiveness. It may not be our natural DNA because it's so difficult for us, but it's in our power, church. It's in our power because Jesus showed us that power. Jesus showed us this path of forgiveness that leads us to freedom. Leads us to freedom. Now, as a pastor, I've heard many stories of pain. Stories of broken relationships, stories of heartbreak. And I know that people, I know people who have remained in that pain. They've remained there. And I know people who have moved beyond that pain to find healing and restoration and hope. What is the one thing that moves them? Forgiveness. The lack of forgiveness will hold you and imprison you and the gift of forgiveness will move you forward. And the only way to achieve that freedom and not remain locked in that prison is to work on this path, this powerful path of forgiveness. Long ago and, and Another place, another time, I worked with a woman who had gone through a very, very difficult divorce. Been married many, many years. Children were grown and off on their own. And one day her husband came in and announced that he wanted a divorce. She said she saw nothing of this coming, nothing from him that said that um, he was unhappy, no asking for marriage counseling, nothing, just I want a divorce. And, and it broke her. It just absolutely broke her and sent her into this bitterness and rejection that she just kind of lived in. She was imprisoned in that pain, and by the result of that, her children... Um, broke their relationship with their father because of the pain that she was continuing to experience. Paul talks about us putting on our Christian characteristics, and we're a peculiar people, church. I mean, we are called to forgive in the face of such pain and such brokenness, and Paul tells us that our life sets us apart from the rest of the world. We are to put on these characteristics as one would put on a suit of armor or a new set of clothing. Paul gives us this teaching the same way he talks about baptism. Our old life with its evil habits are to be discarded. Like that pile of clothes left on the bank of the river when we're going in to be baptized. We go down into the waters and enter the death of Christ and are we are raised up new. We're raised up with a new set of clothing. We're dressed now in his grace and in his forgiveness, and we are called to forgive as he forgave us. Paul says we are to put on our clothes. We're to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other, and if someone has a complaint complaint against anyone forgive each other as the Lord forgave you so also forgive each other and over all these things put on love put on love that binds us together in perfect unity we're to forgive as Christ forgave us that as word it's a tiny little word but it's powerful we say it every week together in the Lord's prayer don't we We say, you can say it with me, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's a powerful statement. If you really think about it, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We're called to forgiveness. but it's not as simple as that, is it, church? In fact, we might say, really, Lord? Really? Do you want me just to excuse that behavior? Do you want me to just look the other way and forgive without even thinking? Aren't there consequences to a person's actions? Well, to answer this question, I think it might be helpful to talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not excusing. It's not excusing. We excuse a person for speeding on their way to the hospital. We excuse a toddler for throwing a temper tantrum in the grocery store because they see something they want. We excuse a harsh word or a misspoken word when we're exhausted and we know that person's exhausted and it's not their norm. I mean, if it's excusable, then there's no really need for forgiveness, is there? Joe and I excused each other numerous times this morning. (laughs) I'm just going to say. Because, and I'm sorry, kind of takes care of that. When it's excusable, then we, we offer that to one another in grace and love. But forgiveness is deeper work. It's deeper work. And when an action is excusable, it does not require that deep work of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not weakness. I mean, we saw that in the video, didn't we? It takes great courage to look in the face of pain and brokenness and loss and offer forgiveness or receive forgiveness. How hard it was, how hard it must have been for him to ask the judge if he could go hug her with his family sitting right there, and maybe they did not even give their blessing to that, to ask if he could go hug her and how much courage it took for her to receive that. There were consequences for her actions. She will have a period of time in jail, but forgiveness was offered, and that was not a moment of weakness. That was a moment of strength. In fact, it might have been the strongest act that man ever did. The third thing forgiveness is not forgetting. So many times we think well if I forgive then I just have to forget it. That's not how we're wired is it church? That's not how we're wired. I sometimes forget a name more than sometimes forget a name. I forget where I place something but that is different than forgetting a deep wound a deep brokenness. We are wired to remember. In fact, we're wired to remember our baptism, right? We're wired to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. He said, do this in remembrance of me. We're wired to remember, but there's power in the remembrance, church. Power in the remembrance because I don't know if you're like me, I sometimes take it back. My forgiveness, I sometimes take it back. I wallow in it a little bit longer, right, when I remember it. But then that power of forgiveness reminds us that we can forgive all over again, that it's a choice each and every time we choose to do this. Each time we remember, we can choose to put on that forgiveness, to put it on and to put on that love that binds us in perfect unity. And then this one's really important. I, I hope you hear me very clearly when I say forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. Forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. And when I be my, what I mean by that is reconciliation requires a rebuilding of trust and faith on both parties. There's a work that has to be done together. In fact, there are some relationships that are not good for us. I'm talking about abusive relationships. Relationships in which there's such brokenness. Forgiveness may be, in that instance, an act of releasing, not reconciling. Releasing. In a church I served previously, this was back in my younger years of ministry, probably about the time Sean is in his years of ministry. And I can remember this conversation vividly. I had preached a sermon, my beginning sermons, that poor church. They had to deal with all of that. And I had preached a sermon on forgiveness, and a woman made an appointment with me to meet with me the the next week. And she came into my office and she said, Pastor Terry, you told me I needed to forgive, and I don't know if I can. And I said, well, let's, let's sit and talk about that. And then she told me of the abuse her husband was um, giving in their marriage, the verbal abuse, the emotional abuse. And then she told me of the many affairs and the times in which he had not been faithful in their marriage vows and she talked this through and she said how do i forgive and i can remember praying jesus i need you now i need you right now give me the words and i don't remember exactly what i said but i remember the conversation i remember said something like forgiveness is what is going to free you that's the path of forgiveness It's going to free you. It's not going to bind you in this any longer. And yes, there are consequences for actions. And maybe the consequence is that he doesn't get to be married to you any longer. See, there's this act of reconciliation that has to be done with true repentance. True repentance to God and to one another. And that work together where sometimes forgiveness can be found within ourselves, freeing us and releasing the relationship that is not good for us. God does not want us to be abused. Amen, church? God does not want us to be abused. Forgiveness makes us whole. It does not make us go back into a hurtful relationship. And yet, there are times there are times in which there has been such brokenness and there's been such repentance that, and the work of forgiveness has moved along to where there can be reconciliation. Um, you remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. You know, he has Jacob as a father, Rachel is his mother, Jacob actually has two wives, Rachel and Leah, and Leah is his first wife, and she has many children with Jacob. And Rachel is the one that Jacob loves the most, and she's unable to bear children until one day she announces to him that she's with child. She gives birth to a son. They name him Joseph, and Jacob just dotes on this boy. He's his favorite. And what does that do? it alienates Joseph between he and his brothers. In fact, Jacob gives Joseph this coat, this coat of many colors, and and he's proud of that coat because his father gave it to him, and he wears it proudly, and every time he wears it, the brothers just... about their younger brother who is their father's favorite. Until one day, they see Joseph coming from a distance and they plot to kill him. Reuben, the oldest brother, says, no, no, let's don't kill him. Let's just throw him in that dry cistern over there. And so they do. They throw him in the cistern. Reuben goes off to do his work, and he's planning to come back later on and get his younger brother and return him to his father safely. But in the meantime, a caravan... Is coming through, going toward Egypt, and their brothers, and the brothers decide that they will sell Joseph into slavery. Reuben's not there to protect him, and so they do. They sell him into slavery. How many times have you ever wanted to sell your sibling into slavery? Yeah, uh huh. Well, they just go ahead and do it, they act upon that, they sell him into slavery. And they take the coat of many colors, they tear it apart, they pour goat's blood upon it, and they tell Jacob that his beloved son is dead. Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the brokenness that all this one act caused? Well, fast forward. You can read all of this in Genesis. It's a wonderful story, very, very detailed. Fast forward many years, Joseph is second only to the Pharaoh. He is up, God has blessed him in in many, many ways, and there's a famine that hits the land. And so therefore, uh, the brothers head to Egypt to to get grain. And who do they come face to face with but their long-lost brother who they sold into slavery? Second only to the Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Joseph has to make a decision here. Which coat will I wear now? Will I put on the vengeance and revenge? Or will I put on forgiveness and find freedom? This is what it says in chapter 45, just a few verses. He chooses forgiveness. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. When they had done so he said I am your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. In other words, Joseph tells them, what you meant for harm, God took and made it good. God took and made it good. He chooses to forgive. Now, I can imagine this was a path that Joseph had worked on for many, many years. Forgiveness is not something that just comes that quick for us. I imagine he'd worked on I imagine that he'd thought many times what he would say to his brothers if he ever came face to face with them again, right? But he had moved beyond that. He had forgiven them. He'd, he'd found freedom, and he had understood then from that freedom that God was blessing him. God was using what, was, what had meant for harm to be good, And so forgiveness had obviously been on his path. Now, I um, have been reading a book that I recommend to you if you're struggling with forgiveness, this this act. Maybe you you have something that you've been dealing with for many, many years. And this is a great book to, to help you maybe work through this. Desmond Tutu writes this book with his daughter, The Book of Forgiving, The Book of Forgiveness. And it's not easy work. But he talks about this four-fold plan, and I'll just briefly tell you that, that that it is a process that helps you work through it. Find someone that you can talk to and tell your story until the story and the event has no more power over you. Pray. Give it to God. You cannot do this by yourself. You can't. Acknowledge to God that you're giving this to God and that this is, this is something that he's going to have to help you with. Remember. Now, this is the difficult part because our pain and brokenness can transform us and move us forward. Remember. Grant forgiveness. No matter how many times you have to grant it, grant forgiveness. Even if you take it back, grant forgiveness again. And reconcile or release as God is leading you. That's all in here in much, much more detail. But he gives great, great insight into this difficult path, but powerful path of forgiveness. You see, forgiveness is the greatest path to healing and freedom that we will ever take. But we have to take the first step. We have to take the first step. I want to close with a poem that Desmond Tutu writes in his Book of Forgiving. It's powerful. You should, you have stood at this junction before, you will stand at this junction again. And if you pause, you can ask yourself which way to turn. You can turn away from your own sadness and run the race named revenge you will run that tired track again and again. Or you could admit your own pain and walk the path that ends. In this direction lies freedom, my friend. I can show you where hope and wholeness make their homes, but you can't push past your anguish on your way there. To find the path to peace, you will have to meet your pain and speak its name. In the name of the Father,